Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast with Seth, Tommy, and Mike. How's it going? Good morning. Good Hello, morning, gentlemen, and peoples on the interwebs. Seth, I can, good morning. I can already see you had a late night. You're like, you are bubbly this morning. Uh, yeah. Enough of the filters haven't come in. Better watch myself. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you More might, coffee. More you, coffee. You might get some real Seth today. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Unfiltered Seth. What does that, what does that mean? That means the, at it, minute 45. I don't know, like, but it's provocative. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the opposite of me. Usually after the late nights, I have to one watch the eye, Red Eyes, um, especially one of the projects we're working on. I didn't realize that I did not look away from the screen. And then uh, my wife came to, she's like, are you crying? I'm like, no, I've just been looking at the, trying to compare two different rows and I don't know why they don't match. And she's like, <laughs> tears <laughs> of joy, pure joy. It's very, data, yeah. honey. it's very hard to explain that situation where you're, you're maybe doing a migration. You're like, I've done everything the same. But why does one output show a slightly different number and you have to check on a row mm. than the other one? Oh gosh. And and you can't explain the frustration and why that's like uh, it's it's there's no light at the end of that. You just have to say I don't know. Yeah, Soon. It, oh no, I can't do that. I can't I can't just say oh no, especially when Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's more it, when you've got it down to like there's absolutely no reason for this to be happening that I know of mm-hmm. and that that it's is why this is taking so long because you have to you've you've exhausted all of your like mental checks that you've put in over the years and this mm-hmm. one's a new one and mm-hmm. it stinks <laughs> because you're just like i don't know it's not and then it's always going to be something that you missed yeah it's not it's not like rarely is it anything like so brand new and like earth shattering it's right. just going to be like oh huh, yeah i commented that out like 10 hours for, ago for testing I, this. I, yeah. I, I love it when i i love it when i do the um hmm, i'm working on the data model and i'm making some changes i'm like huh there's too much data in here right now i'm just going to cut it down to like one customer or one topic and, get, yeah. and you do the whole report and you're like okay yeah it looks good and you, and you build the report everything's fine and you forget oh crap i did that in power query i didn't unfilter it <clears throat> because you want to look with a limited amount of data and you publish it and you're like everyone's like where's all our data everything's blinking i'm like no it should be fine oops no it's not fine i Oop, that was my bad. Yeah. See, I much rather deal with that type of situation than the ones where there's so many different entries evolved where like we we had a one issue where like one of the values wasn't going through, it was supposed to do this out like the certain output for each account. Hmm? Turns out the app that was built, there's some default, like the person who would enter it didn't put in like their currency, whatever, or, like whatever their store code is. Yep. And that was like, required. But it was like you're going through it and there's so like you have a twenty things to check. Mm-hmm. right yeah yes. so that that's been that's been my night so the person inputting that, the data didn't put a currency does this mean this was coming from a source of excel which means nothing will work yeah no it was coming from a power app but the oh, okay. i didn't set up the power app where it had a default value yeah but i needed to set it so it enters default oh. someone had to click on it and it's just fun there's just a, fun it's stuff. a minor thing there's a good idea for in, in chat that somehow in my delirious state because i'm so tired reminds me of sesame street uh, but <laughs> you can para- parameterize right your your data set sizes right yes wait what does that do small yeah yes <laughs> right <laughs> small 
That would be really Swap good. All with the wall. I was it, like, it would be something where going with this? Where's he going? we where need someone going? to like zoom out from the camera. So one Nobody would be, knows. Oh, one's really small. Run away from the camera. Small. Yeah. We Holy should do that. a Sesame Street for Power BI for new newcomers. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we should do that. I don't think that would work very well. Next is a queer. I don't yet. think that is our target market audience. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, the Count would be the, <laughs> the most popular character. Maybe. Maybe we should make know, up our man. own Power BI characters. Henry the Owl's got to be in there somewhere. Henry the Owl, yeah. He'd have to be a character. Oh, there'd be like Dax the Gremlin. Dax the Gremlin, yeah. I, I was just trying to translate all the current Sesame characters. Oh, I would think we should make up our own new characters that, like, are, that you, are about. You yeah. could do the Power Query, like the Cookie Monster, right? Yeah. I, I don't know how, like, hmm. I think I think you just you make him with Dax queries, but so then it's easy to go query, query, query. So, <laughs> oh boy. Well, Squint. that's not the topic of today. Thank but... goodness. Thank goodness that, it's that, not. That is the topic, then, names from this, Sesame Street we, characters. We have to run Power out of BI. topics. There we well, go. <laughs> well, if you haven't left already, you might want to <laughs> debate leaving now. <laughs> you want to know what podcast about? This is as good as it gets. Anyway. Tommy, you said you were working on something interesting in uh, data flows. You're kind of just. Yeah. Or do you have do well, you have any men do you have any mentions first, Tommy? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I have a, I have a mention, not a, not an intro, but uh, sure. We are scheduling. It just went out on Meetup, but the next Chicago and Milwaukee Power BI user group is next Tuesday, which I believe is the fifth. Yes, it It'll is the fifth. PM Central. Right after the holiday. Right after the holiday. So if you didn't drink enough before, you can do more or however you want to do it. Water. Sure. That's all I drink. So um, hydration is important. Hydration is key. And we're actually going to be talking about all the different resources from a PowerShell perspective with Power BI. And if you have no experience with PowerShell, need not worry. Because if I could understand half of this, and a lot of this is coming from GitHub is an amazing tool. That's amazing. It's a, it's amazing. I that is something I check for news now on what's going on, what people are publishing, and the different solutions out there. So I'm going to kind of showcase how to use PowerShell and VS Code, in a sense, manage your tenant and do a lot of different things within Power BI, all using PowerShell. So it's it's pretty incredible some of the things I've been figuring out and combining together. So it'll be a fun one if you wanted to kind of get your hands feet or your feet wet with the uh, API. You want to get your hands oh, wet there. and then your feet dry, you should come out to this session. This is going to be a good one. Exciting. You, and if you like PowerShell. I'm going to like PowerShell. Yeah, I think you're going to have to like PowerShell. That's true. So that someone's already done all the work for you. You just kind of have to like read it yeah. and use it. Yeah, I, w I wish I knew PowerShell better kind of thing it's it's so much like well what can i do here so but again a lot of the solutions that kind of had a lot of the parameters uh one quick one quick one and i show i showed this to mike earlier you there's actually a power sam mcguire actually put this together where you can actually take your macros from tableau editor yeah, and he'll cool. and then basically extracts it out into a folder so as a csx file c sharp file so then you can view it in uh get um github or you can back it up if you have two computers so I'm going to ask Sam if he can actually do one that actually pushes it back to the macro, yeah. like into the, the mac, uh, actions.json. So then you can edit in VS code and then it pushes everything back or basically. So a lot of different things like that. We're going to go over on Tuesday. Love it. Looking forward to it. 
any other kind of other key observations or things that people were working on or openers here? I think we have a couple. Well, that was the announcement of the event. Uh, we also have a promo code for those of you who want to go to the Data Insight Summit, which is coming to us in Chicago. Um, so there's a Data Insight Summit coming to Chicago. It's a number of really good speakers that are showing up. I'll throw the link here in the chat window as well. I can go get it here quick. Uh, the promo code is PROMO22. So if you want a $100 off your ticket, use PROMO22 and you can get um, $100 off the Data Insight Summit. We will be there. Uh, Seth, I'm not sure if you're, if you're coming, but you, you better be there, though. I maybe I'm not speaking, but of course I'll be there. Yes, can't, maybe can't we can. You guys down. Maybe we can pinch you into one of our one of our sessions. I think I've got two sessions. <laughs> I might need help with one of my sessions, maybe. All right, I, I'll help you out. <laughs> Story of my life. Or I'll, heck, I'll I'll either help or heckle. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> one or the other. Um. Uh, so, uh, definitely, if you want to come to that. Join. There's uh, some pre-session days that are pretty cool. I think we've got a whole day of pre-con sessions. There's I think there's four different speakers. I'm doing mine on Deneb and Charticulator. Just deep diving. Half a day on Deneb, half a day on Charticulator. Um, getting some basics down. If you haven't worked with the programs before, if you haven't really spent some time, dedicated time to working with those visuals, I'll be working through some of those. So I think it'll be a fun, good exercise around getting people expanding their horizons on what they can build with Power BI. Any other I think I just saw an update with the visuals. There's like a new toolbar that's been released. There's there's some kind of visual update for editing the uh, Deneb, at least. I think I just saw that. I believe they, I think Deneb's been going through a series of revisions. I think 3.1.3 is just on the horizon. I think it's been approved and it's about ready to go through. So that should be in, in a very good update. The, the visual is incredible. I just love what it can do. It's so powerful. Anyways, super fun. I built some neat things with it. Um, I don't think I have any other openers. Tommy, you were saying something about data flows earlier. Yeah, so th this kind of a bit of a segue too. So we we've been doing the implementation guidelines uh, or like the impl implementation scenarios in the past few episodes, and we're going to do a few more. So as I was reading about it, it links to some data flow articles that I, I've never really noticed before. And I, I think they're relatively new and there's a whole series. And usually I'm like, I know data flows, it's just basically power query. But honestly, what what they've really done with that tool is kind of incredible in terms of Don't more like than it. just it's the, the self-service. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's in the cloud, but it's also much more than that self-service side. So, yep. so one of the things is they actually recommend is split for complex data flows to split them up into separate data flows. So you have like a staging one. Yes. And which is like, fine, you can do that in most solutions. But what's very intriguing and what's actually really neat about this is if you link to an entity from like, let's say another data flow, it will actually, it's called like a computer uh, engine or enhanced engine. Yep. And when it's a linked entity, what happens is... Like, just like if any power or like, it's obviously not refreshing the source, it's just refreshing the data flow. But more importantly, it refreshes the same time the staging one does. Yes, it, it has lineage so, with it. Yeah. So yes. if, if you actually, so I didn't, I never noticed that. So you can actually have those two separate data flows, have one that just loads the data, but they refresh at the same time. So you don't have to worry about ske uh, scheduling three different data flows. So when you talk about like yeah. modern data warehouse, this is where a, a very yeah. interesting pattern is happening. And something that I wish Microsoft would take a little bit more note of 
But a data flow, what it does is it connects the data source, it runs the Power Query script, and then it creates a table of information. Right now, it currently stores that information down as like a CSV file inside uh, a place somewhere. Now, the really cool part about this is if you use data flows and you turn on Azure Blob Storage, you can actually see the files that it's creating and you can touch those files with other tools. Or if you wanted to, you could create a data flow to load some information and you could hydrate that data with an external tool. There's some interesting things that you can do there when you start turning on the Azure Data Lake Storage. But to your point, Tommy, I really do like that feature. There's this auto lineage thing. Mm -hmm. And I've used that on a number of projects where we've had data sources coming in. And if you, there's a, there's a couple scenarios here that you can do. If you load the raw data and then you create another data flow that relies on that connection, if you inactivate the original table where the data came from in your second data flow, you don't, you're not required to use the enhanced compute engine. It just runs like normal. And it still yeah. has the dependency trail of the prior query informs the secondary query. Right. So there's some there's some interesting things there. So I really like uh, what they've done there, and it it feels really good. My only again my only beef with this stuff is this works for like small to medium sized data. As soon as things start getting pretty large, I, we're not quite there yet where it can really handle yeah. a large volume of information yet. So I think I think there's improvements coming. The Microsoft team understands that Power Query is, is the tool. And I mean, frankly, if you look at it obs observationally, if you look at where Microsoft is developing their time, they're putting a lot of time in developing everything in the cloud, for one. There's a lot of things, <laughs> data marts, data flows, everything's cloud-based. And then on top of it, you're looking at, um, uh, there is a lot of effort on, there hasn't been any developments for SSIS. So I think, in my opinion, SSIS is just... I mean, a maintenance mode at this point, and everything is either going to be either Azure Data Factory or Power Query. Those are the, the yeah. two primary data engineering type tools that are being used across the board. It's everywhere now, which I'm really happy just, for. Yeah, we just need that ability with Data Marts too, where you can connect to a data flow and more services, right? Like a Data Mart can't a, connect to data flow. I thought it would let you do that. No, you can connect to data flow. I'm saying the output of your data flow and your data. Oh. Yes. So like, right, if you, you can create a power platform data flow, which is kind of the same, but it lives in a different place and yeah. I think it doesn't work as well, but there should be one centralized source where I can connect to this in a, in a power app. I can connect to this in another application. Yeah. Like some, yep. So I think that's the part we're missing, but I no, what data flows can do right now, we're actually transferring a solution over where it was, it was complicated to begin with where the, just the sources that came in were already something jumbled where there's not a lot we could do basically and again a little going into today's conversation because my late nights started because of this this week um we have these three of our data like there's seven different fact tables so to speak we have seven different types of information obviously they all relate and three of that four of them live in Excel because that's how they, the, the vendors would send it. Yep. So we have to iterate over separate folders and the other ones come from SQL. On top of that, the vendors send us all convoluted information. So there's no like I, like member ID or product key or any of this information is just a name, so to speak, of some string or value. Yes. So we've created an, a system where uh, basically we map the, the, our like account names and the product names to like, the, like a master reference. You can actually write back in Power BI to do that, where it's like, just reference this, you know, to this master account. 
basically what we're trying to do is get the pricing and just based on all these different you know uh attributes what happened to me though was over time because the, there are things that change like oh by the way the pricing change is going to happen in the middle of the month oh by the way these products are no longer active so we have to use these new product codes again there were no product codes so we had to create them the way the logic went and the way the process went to get this out we kind of did everything in calculated columns Tommy. And of, yeah. Yeah. Tommy. And, Chris yeah. Wagner in the chat. So, because we couldn't create the standard no. relationships because no. again, it just it wasn't available. So we and again, you're dealing with seven different fact tables that you have to do the same thing every single time. And what was what's been occurring is people like, hey, this number is this one number is off, but again, that could be one record in one of the tables. And is like this is getting untenable and if we continue this and we keep adding logic layering 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 one the report's running incredibly slow as it is but then two it's something's bound to break yeah so, so i think this brings us really close to yeah. our real topic of the day so instead of doing all these intros <laughs> let's jump into the actual topic so tommy what you're talking about there is you're you're talking about increasing complexity of a model over time as you learn something as you're enhancing it it gets more and more things added to it so thus our our topic today are what do we do when we have complicated models? I think there's a lot of use cases around this, and I think we've all seen this before, or you've stepped into a situation where someone says, hey, I've got my model's not calculating what I want. Oh, can you show me the, the data model view? And they're like, yeah, sure. And it's like, uh, I, I'm trying to think of like all the YouTube shorts that I watch. It's like, there's these little sound snippets. It's like, bum, bum, bum. You know, you, they click the button and you're like, oh, wow. There's like 30 tables in here and there's relationships all over the place. And how many inactive relationships do we have? Oh my gosh. Like what's going on in this model? I have no clue. So when, when does the model be, become too unwieldy and you have to start fixing the model? So our topic for today, complicated models. I, I do dun, like dun, dun, oh, how dun, you dun, said, dun. not your models, but someone else's. Some, so. well, I, I mean, that's what, that's what I deal with a lot of, right? Models yeah. that I make are fairly star schema related. And I feel like, and again, I think it's also this perception too. Like if you make the model, you understand how it works. You knew why you had to bring these tables a certain way. You knew how to build what you need to build to get those tables together. But when it's somebody else giving you the model, they understand how to build it, but it's not always self-evident to you unless it's simplified like a star schema or something like that. And I mean, but it happens to all of us, right? Even in our own models where... Again, it's just, it's not, it's an, it's a slow process, right? Where it's just like you start folding every day in college that first two weeks. And then all of a sudden there's just a pile of clothes in the corner and mm -hmm. you have to see what shirt smells good to yep. go out on Friday. <laughs> well, not that it's ever, yeah, but it, it's a slow changing process. Joe watches TikTok from the chat. He, it's the, it's the, oh no, oh no, boom, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing in my head when people give me these models that are just like, ah, it's crazy. But um so 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 let's let's identify like when have you seen these kind of things? And I again I and maybe how do you start fixing them? What what would be our our list here? Just just define what a complicated model is. What would that look like to you guys? Seth, wanna give us a kick away? Kick here? Kick, uh, kick mean, the complicated model. There, there are things that overcomplicate models, right? Bidirectional, lots of bidirectional relationships uh, nested within your spider web, not just on the fringes. Um, 
there are, I, I think it, it's a trivial point, but it, I think I think what Microsoft should do, Mike, is just adopt out of the box your your visual way of uh, inputting dimensions and facts. Oh, within, it's way uh, easier the, to read. Holy, because totally agree. <clears throat> because uh, to Tommy's point especially the larger the model gets or or the longer it's lived yep. it, it is just this slowly building giant right that doesn't it like is typically in somebody's head and not documented anywhere i mean which is uh, yeah. another problem but um it, they're very hard to read like when when you get into a, a lot of large large numbers of tables and, and things like that well it's like before power bi if you had some of these data sources and on structure you just go no sorry yep. you're gonna have to find out your own solution but i mean again i really see this as obviously there's seeing someone else's uh, data set and kind of being to figure that out with which is in its own self you know it's, its own struggle but you know no one's above the fold where they've never created a bad uh, data model and again maybe it's a project one maybe it's something that it becomes that iterative process like there's new things that change during the build and for me that's a typical situation where all of a sudden you look back and go whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. why are there all these tables what's with all these columns why did i create that yep. relationship yep and be, again you have 20 parts of you know logic that are adding up to the final number so and but here, yeah, here I want to talk about that for just a minute because I I I mean lots of tables so indications of a complicated model like when when do I throw the flag or you know yell you know uncle you know uncle we have a we have a complicated model here like time out let's talk about this I think one of my indicators is lots of tables would be one of the what you said Seth I think Tommy um, what you said there as well like when there's you know kind of these weird you know I, again I try and design for snowflake as much as I can even if there are multiple fact tables that have multiple dimensions, in my mind, this works fairly simple to get data back into that model. And so I'll work extremely hard outside of Power BI to prep the data for Power BI. So if you look at the models that I produce, they're typically a source and one other step maybe. That's it in Power Query because I'm doing a majority of my data engineering work outside of Power BI. Another indicator of when I would say a complicated model is available or what I would define complicated model as is when you have lots of steps in Power Query and the tables that are being produced are using merges or appends. So you're taking multiple tables of information and stitching them together. Um, most people don't know this, but there is inside Power Query, there's a button where you could look at the lineage of all the tables in Power Query and it traces back for you each table and how it's related to other tables. When that looks like a mess, when the Power Query itself has all these interlocking and related tables, and all, that's another indicator of an overcomplicated model. I mean, but technically, isn't that a complicated data transformation process? I, I mean, we can we can die, we can mix it we, all together if we want to. Yeah, I mean, right? But that's like that's ETL. It's not necessarily the model uh, itself. Agree, but I mean, no. here's why right. I would call that a complicated model. Because the reason I would call that a complicated model is because when you do that. There are high there are highly high chances that you're going to break query folding for one. So query folding is a really good thing for your model because it removes the amount of compute from your power uh, your your Power BI refreshing. Right. So when you have a lot of Power Query steps, even though you're right, Seth, 100, I would agree with you. It's just ETL. It's just transforming the data to get it to a shape where you can use it in the report. But 
when you publish that report or that stuff to the service, the Power BI.com compute is being used to generate that information and you will have failures if your Power Query takes too long to refresh. So yes, it's separate. Yes, it's you're doing a lot of transforms inside Power BI, which is acceptable. I think it's good. But I think you don't always want those things there because you start sacrificing on some performance issues later on down the road. Yeah. So I would, yeah. I would I would say two two other two other areas that kind of stand out are like when when you hit the modeling pane and it looks like a relational database. Yeah. Um, yes. Typically, yeah. that that's going to lead to problems. Yes. Um, and then re repeated columns in different tables. Oh, right? that's so a really good one too. Mixing and matching, yeah. and mentions, or uh, you when something's being calculated in the report, it makes it really hard to figure out, oh, okay, like, yeah, I'm in this table, but yeah. why does the same column exist over here? Like, what are right. you doing, yes. right? And yes. and as we talk about it, I think we'll we'll lean a bit into, you know, some of the strategies that, that you even referenced, Mike, is you you said something poignant, which is you take the the, the model idea out of Power BI and, and think about I it. I work really right? hard to make sure that the models, like the tables I'm loading in are simple, I try really, really hard to make, okay, I mean, if you, if you step back and like, if you, if you just drew out, if you just talked to someone about the information, like this is why I do a lot of this you know, exercises around defining the insights. What do I need to calculate? What are, the, what are the measures I need? And what are the dimensions I want to cut by? And again, I use language, I try and use language that the business understands, but you know, I can, I've gotten to a point now where I can just look at a visual or look at a table now and instantly look at that and say, okay, what are the dimensions of this thing, right? Oh, I've got time on the x-axis. Okay, the time is a dimension. And then I have uh, numbers, you know, different measures or whatever we're calculating for the bars. That, that is a calculated value. That's a metric. And so it, I've spent enough time around models where I can, I can easily understand, like, where the break parts are uh, or what is a... And I, again, this is how I explain it. It's like a slice. How do you want to slice the data? How do you want to filter out the information? Those are all dimensions. Anything you want to calculate, anything you need to aggregate or sum, that those would be your measures. This seems basic at that nature, but when you look at the different tables that are in these models, people are asking you for data like, oh, I need you to add the numbers in this dimension table. Well, yes, we can do that, but that means only the dimensions from that table can be used to run that measure. You can't use that measure anywhere else in the model. And so this is where I spend a lot of my time is figuring out, okay, what are the fact tables and how do I push all of the different ways I want to cut the data into like, what are the IDs that I need at that fact table level that can allow me to slice and dice those facts in an appropriate way. And, and again, it's, I think, good cube modeling is, is there as well. So I do, I do want to say a, one point though, a disagreement that I have where, yeah, I, I always tell people to like, if you can do it in the source, do it in the source. But that being said, if you have a few merges in Power Query and a Power BI desktop, I mean, that's what it's made for you know and I, that's generally not too big of an issue and again like it's not necessarily encouraged but you can have that especially on your fact tables now if you're doing a merge to get another dependency on another merge on another dependency to finally get your in a sense your bridge that's obviously where we're going to talk complications but i don't want to deter anyone or at least again like having a few merges on your fact table i don't think are a terrible issue 
That being said, I you know speaking from experience here, Tommy, because oh, yeah. you you led in here with like I build something all around calculated columns. So I just don't know if our listeners oh no, should you really should see. <laughs> no, it's it's the whole shebang, man. I mean, I think calcul- so, calculated columns serve a purpose. They they are there for like yeah, getting I'm, something done and getting things figured out. I totally agree that it has a purpose. Would I go to production with anything with calculated columns in it? No, I would not. Right. And I'll, and you, I want to add some yeah. more other items here, like along with this too is. Other things that I think make models complicated is incremental refresh, because while it doesn't make the model itself Absolutely very does. complicated, like it's easy to implement, but what happens when you deploy it and you have like incremental refresh is typically there's an indicator for why you need that. You need an in. Let me try that again. You need an incremental refresh for one of two reasons. One, your support system takes too long. Your 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 backend takes too long to resolve all the data for Power BI, and so it times out. When you ask for all the data all at once this this or, usually or there's another one in there where you're like absolutely hammering the crap out of those systems yes that supports something else as well right? true it, power, power bi is full in a china shop. it is if you it, it has a lot of cores and it will just all the cores turn yeah. on and ask for all the data so you need the data yes it will and so that's that's one thing that so one is the sub, the back end system and this this typically happens when you have like a view that has joins in it because sometimes you can get joins or you're doing some kind of I've seen other problems where I had like date time calculations that were being converted for some reason in the view and it caused a lot of consternation on the SQL server side and was like I can't handle it don't do this so materializing your your data into real tables helps out a lot or simplifying them and then the other half of this, when when you need to have incremental refresh and more things time out, is when the data set is so large, right? You have hundreds of millions of records, and you're not going to refresh hundreds of million records every hour. It's so inefficient. You don't want that extra compute doing that because while you're doing that, it's taking away compute from anyone trying to look at reports, which is not what you want. You want that to be snappy and fast, load the data you need, only, only the changed records, get the recent data, load it to your partition, move on. So... I don't think a lot of people understand all that's what's happening there in the incremental refresh space or how to set it up. It's a pretty easy thing to do, but it does require a little bit more deeper knowledge of the model. That's another one I would say that would be an indicator of a complicated model. Well, and that's the common scenario, right, too, if you're given a new project where there is a lot of that ad hoc. Like if you knew everything you knew now, obviously you would design it the right way. Yes. But you, you know, you're trying to test things out. And... I know I could do a better job. And I think we all start with, as you're going through the process and you're getting closer and closer, we don't think necessarily like, okay, it works right now. Like I finally got that number I can find. I found the relationship um, because we're trying, we're testing things out and we're just trying again, maybe not best practices, but we need to think too, as we're doing that, okay, can I backtrack here and make this easier to do? And that's a lot of times when all of a sudden I know my indication is when I'm in the data view in Power BI and I am scrolling on every table right. And I'm yeah. like, my goodness, where is that column looking for? Yep. So and and that's just what happens. We're doing consistent, you know, testing out. We're and again, we're tinkering around. We're saying, is there a better way to do this? But then usually there's dependencies on those testing. So it's very hard to like, in a sense, just back up from a data set. Like if you break a column or relationship, can't load the report. So you got to break that relationship and then obviously you still need to get that data published out there. So that's, I mean, man, another, stories, yeah. Thomas brings up another really good point that I would also add for complicated models 
anytime you're seeing someone doing ETL in DAX, complicated model. No, 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 no. It's 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 one of those things again for me. Like I'm like, ah, oh, don't do it. Do not do it. Do not try to clean your data using DAX functions to filter. Like yes, if you're filtering out something, yes, I, I get it. Like don't do ETL stuff inside DAX. That's not the proper location for filtering or adjusting things or or fixing data things. That was upstream in the Power Query or beyond that in the in the backend systems of things. All right. So in, in a larger question. Yeah. What what is the percentage of decent to good models you've seen versus complicated or hard? Every model that comes to me from someone else is what I would classify as complicated because there's and there's usually snowflaking going for all on. Of these reasons? Well, these or... are the reasons why people come to me for help. <laughs> so <laughs> no one no one, oh, yeah, so no you one just... pays you because <laughs> of how good your model is. Correct. You know your experience my, is skewed with the world. My experience is skewed by real world. I'm tainted <laughs> by the real world. <laughs> is it is it though? Um I, I think because, and, and the reason I'm asking that question is this, right? Like as opposed to what you guys make fun of me for doing, which is leading you into a space and then hammering you for some reason or something. Yeah, this is, this, um, what I, what I'm getting for, at though is, for everyone else on the podcast, this is where Seth takes Tommy and I into a small dark hole sure? and then beats us over the head <laughs> with an idea. Yeah, we're we're, no, we're gonna get we're gonna the, get it here. I can see it already coming. He's gonna he's gonna No, you're not. You're okay, not, you're not. The the thought here was I, I think that the majority of models are going to be somewhat complicated. Because one, it's it's either somebody who's not trained in, in model building or you're under pressures and you want to build reports right. or you're, you don't understand the data the way you need to and you're using Power BI as an exploratory yeah. tool while you're building. So what you're doing is you're starting to build from the get-go as opposed to separating out your discovery with your actual implementation, right? And, mm -hmm. and Mike you led with like the thing I, th I would have recommended out of this conversation, which is separate these two things. Yes. Right? Like if you don't, if you're doing discovery and iterating, yes, that's fantastic. Power do it. It allows us to do that. Yep. It allows us to get our head around like the data set and what we want to do with it. Cause you got to understand it. We need to build on agree hundred percent. But like, to me, that's, that's your test PBIX file. Yes. Yeah. Like you are not building your model yet. Correct. And and I think people automatically dive into like, okay, I, I know my data. I know I know what this needs to do. And then you paint yourself in a corner, and you're like, oh, okay, well uh, now I need this table, and how is that going to fit in here? And then you just kind of additively add on to the model, and it becomes this spider web of a very unique set of tables for this visual need. Um, there's this that wasn't properly introduced so maybe you could have like merged these three tables but nobody's taking the extra time because now now it just becomes this like hybrid of you're bolting things on to a framework that was never well thought out and you can get get out of a lot of the complication of that just by separating out a discovery phase the things you need to build for basic requirements for the report, or at least start with a solid base. And that happens with some well thought out things outside of Power BI so that you can reshape what is a lot of our data, which is just like you're thinking relational in nature. How do these things connect together, but not in the context of expanding it, letting it grow and, and sticking as close to a star schema or a better performing model. Yeah. 
that that you you can achieve with a little foresight. Um, that's a really good point, Seth. To where I think a lot of times when we build, we're using the same data set, and I think that's usually the culprit of the the what becomes that thrust a little complicated. Where agreed, you can't again, you can't just break one part of that and then you know edit that part. You have to go step by step back because again, that, those dependency everything breaks. So, and you also have to make sure those things work. Whereas if you just, in a sense, blow it up and start in a new file and come with that other uh, state of mind, then you can at least do that testing. But that's that's a very common use case. We're like, I'm not going to break what I have right now because that time involved. Right. Because, the, right, you have to refactor a bunch of stuff, right? And right. then there's downstream things that you've already bolted on, right? Like, and, and the reason I'm making this recommendation, right, is like, I don't, I haven't followed this all the time in the past, right? right? And it's bit me because... You're under pressure. You want to get stuff out the door. And we're talking smaller models. But at the same time, in retrospect, I would add one other thing on here, which is, um, and, and there's no place to do this in the in the report or, or the PBX is like, what it, what is the scope of what this model should contain, right? Mm. Because we always talk like, what is the purpose of this report, right? Yep. Typically, like we want to keep that narrowed down to a, you know, a yeah. specific area. Yes. And that means we don't need all of the datas for all of the things in the model. Correct. So, so from the get go, if I'm looking at a model, I should under, I should have an idea of what this is supposed to support as opposed to just being this never ending thing that we just keep building onto because somebody wants an additional requirement. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, but that's like, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm, I'm backtracking here like twofold, right? That's report specific, but we can also build larger models that support many reports okay. and just throw those up there. Right. And I, I've, I've seen both scenarios. I've seen both scenarios where people are trying to build like the one monolithic model that supports so many different areas. And this is where I think, you know, I'm going to use a term here that Microsoft's already coined somewhere else. So Microsoft's already coined the term data marts, right? Because that's, that's now the, a, a thing and it's a, this table and analysis services engine that you can go build stuff on top of. I would also argue that every Power BI data model, and this is what language I need to use, but I need to think of a different way of calling, I need a new term now, but the cube that you make with Power BI for all these reports, it's like a topic. It's like a, it's a, it's like maybe a bit smaller than a data mart, but it is a concept like that, right? I don't need to pull in a thousand tables to that one model so I can support all 50 reports. Right? There's going to be some reports that touch a handful of tables that don't need everything in that data model. So the idea is figuring out what, is, what are the logical breakpoints of that data model. And so a lot of projects that I've worked on is I come into these models that are made too large and we try and throw everything in the one model and it gets, gets slow to load. Refreshes get really a pain. And so what you need to do is you need to start breaking these models down to more subject matter areas that are specifically addressing some specific thing. And then when you get to that level, you now have two or three or a couple models that are like topic based. And now it works really well because those models refresh much faster. You can do incremental refresh on certain tables in those models that make them very performant. And you, I think you can start managing. It becomes more manageable from a from an admin standpoint as well. Well, what's, well, what's interesting is like I don't I don't know if Microsoft coined these terms like data mart's been around in the enterprise space. I know they're just using it for a different time, tool, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's it it is the same it is the same principles where data stored in a enterprise data warehouse, right? Yes. That used to be like the Huge. de facto thing, and everybody every organization needed three years of development towards this thing before any value was was drawn out of it. Great. But it's storing data in such a way, and then data marts are these aggregated 
you know, snapshots or smaller areas, we're dealing with the same things just in memory, in models, right, that we're talking about because these same capabilities are now being offered up to us, you know, in, you know, reutilizing the same model from multiple different reports or taking smaller slices of data or, you know, there, there's a lot of parallels just in different storage engines, right? Yeah, I mean, this is getting to the point too in the the BI journey where we really need to focus too on our documentation. So this this migration we're doing right, where we have these seven fact tables, they're all different sources, different column names. We created once we kind of had a good idea of how we're going to create these product codes and basically where everything's coming from. Basically, Confluence page that kind of out outlines like a general infrastructure. Like, hey, when we're getting the the invoice date for each that you know, like to each source here's what the column name is and we're obviously just renaming it to the build date yeah so and we if we didn't do that we actually had an issue a, a couple of weeks ago where some of the numbers weren't coming in and everyone was freaking out and they're like well we what what column reason we there's you know every again every source had a different date uh, or name for their for their date column yes we're like no well and the, or they have like three dates we're like no we always use this date Kind of thing and making confirming that with the uh, you know who's getting those files, but having that in a sense trail like hey here's how we bridge these accounts uh, together because honestly some models they're just going to require a lot of ETL right yes, where hundred percent you know there there's no getting around it where there is no set relationships where you do have to do a lot of those transformations but this is like also when you're too, working with dynamics. When you're working with dynamics, mm -hmm. yes. we're we, we that's another conversation. <laughs> Seriously, how is that such a difficult like source? All Sorry, we want to get is back, the bring it back. No, bring it back. no, you brought it up. So <laughs> all we want to get is the sales team region, and I have to do a customer to a parent customer, which is the same table relationship. To a, it's it's just insane. Hmm? Absolutely insane. Come on, Migrant. These are your products. Complicated model. model. Anything Complicated that touches models. dynamics. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of the merges where it's just sometimes but, it's because but, there's idiots. Sometimes it's just dynamics. But this is right? but this is this is the crux of everything that I I deal with. Like this is where I, this is where the data engineering comes into play because dynamics is made for an application that is front facing. Like you can stitch data in and any way you want. The application can do whatever it needs to do to provide link and data elements inside a, a data structure. But that's, it's designed for the person using Dynamics. It's not designed for reporting. And herein lies the problem with, I think, many ERP systems, or as I've been gotten into this more from a very technical standpoint, that's not what they're designed to do. The ERP systems are not designed to take all, that, all those small little tiny tables and stitch them together because in reporting, we want wider tables, we want longer dimensions, we want, you know, a simplified version of tables that the ERP system or the operational system or the OLTP system, whatever you want to call it, those things just don't support. And so I think yeah. this is this is why there's so much work around data engineering, and that's why we need really good tools. But this is also why I feel like, wow, we're in a credible we're in an incredible stage now in the IT space where these tools have never been available to the business before. And so there's a whole large audience of people exploring, learning, doing these things. To become more capable, they can do their own engineering now, which is, I think this is just massive to me. This is like the game changing that, like yeah. that is Power BI and Power well, Query. No, and that's a, that's a really good point too, where again, I think that that data flow documentation, and I'll make sure to send that in the chat, Yeah, but it comes like so in handy too with one, the just the 
the linked entities feature and what that does. But two, this has actually uh, begun the thought process of maybe we actually create two workspaces for staging and transformations. And we just have a naming convention for that where we're not convoluting that we're we anytime we have these types of situations, we have that staging and load because I mean, from one from a management side, right to go into audit if something broke. We haven't even talked about that. Like, how do you actually begin to check like where in the process this is something change? Well, that's an amazing process to do so rather than trying to do that all in one data model. And then the other part, again, is allowing that your final output in Power BI is something clean. But and again, power data flows are available to the business users. You don't need to know Synapse or Databricks to begin this. Yes. Um, so let's maybe maybe pivot here just slightly and say, okay, we've talked a lot about like what defines a complicated model. And we talked about some things that are like, why, 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 what, what quantifies you into that level? I guess let's, let's start talking about like, what is the game plan? How do you, how do you un, unstitch or unwind these complicated things? What do you do to simplify them or make them more manageable? What, what do you guys, what techniques do you guys use? Tommy, let's, let's go, let's, how yeah, do you, so how do you unwind stuff? There, I t is a two um, phase approach where I'll start. Add more calculated columns, right? Add, add a bunch more calculated add, add columns. Add more calculated columns, 100%. A lot of variables in my calculated columns. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah, create my virtual tables in there, do the detail in within the variables. Yes, yes. So call Greg Baldini and get it done. Get so. call, Greg, call Greg and ask him, what did I do wrong? And he'll tell me, like, yeah, your, 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 power, your, <laughs> your table structure is all incorrect. Start over. Right. So, honestly, I start with, uh, and I'm trying to do this more and more, where I act like I'm blowing it up and I'll open a new uh, Power BI file. Yep. And then I'll begin to go through and go, eh, maybe I could do this into data flow for these dimension tables. Do I need to? And I'll start trying to recreate it. And I think mm. I'm always hesitant to do that because I'm like, it took me so long to get this. I can't, I don't have that time to do that. But we know the data better. And usually it's a pretty quick process. It's tedious because you got to copy a lot of the logic. Yeah. But then that begins to go, why did I do that here? If I actually did it here, then everything else is dependent on it. And then at sure. the same time, depending on the significance, so to speak, of that model, I will create like a confluence page to kind of write through from the business side, like, hey, this is where price is coming from. We have to, you know, do these steps kind of thing. So if you want to know why this uh, customer is selling a certain, you know, price for this product, it's because of these steps. If you have a problem with that, talk to us. But yeah. also it's too, is for my map. And when someone says, how did we get there? So to speak, Yeah, I can actually say, you know, be, speak to it because I'm, I, I shouldn't expect to know that off the top of my head. I think one thing that I do that when I'm trying to simplify these models, first, first and foremost, I'm looking at how many reports hang off of that model to begin with, right? So I kind of start the report level and try to look at what columns or things that are used at that thin report level and see if there's any logical breaks across those thin reports. Typically, there's like, um, again, if we're talking about the model that has too many tables in it, there's usually a, a way of going back through. And then I'll even, I use this technique where I got this from Rob Colley where I put all the dimension tables kind of on the left-hand side, the top of the page, when I'm looking at the model view, I do the dimensions on the left, the top, and the right. And then all the fact tables go down at the bottom. So the idea here is the dimension table is the one relationship, and we have to the many relationship, which is in the fact table. And so as we map this thing out, all these lines, 
nice cleanly line up and they just go from the dimensions and they filter down to the bottom of the page mm -hmm. where where the fact tables live which i think works really well and that way i can clearly see okay there's there's a little bit of snowflaking here on these three tables why is that there and is there any way i can get rid of it so those are those are things i'm looking for i'm looking to consolidate those um you know it's like a single chain of one dimensional link tables now sometimes you need this for security purposes because you need to secure the data and therefore you need to have some security or real level security filters applied to tables and their relationships which makes sense sometimes you need it um but i'm that's what i'm trying to look for i'm looking for redundant tables that are overly complicated and how can we mm -hmm. simplify that and yeah i like uh, thomas i think your comment here is very appropriate i start thinking a lot more kimball right it's it's a lot more kimball star schema modeling practices that i use at the power bi um modeling level so that's those are some yeah. things that i'm looking for there i'm trying to break those apart yeah talk, like in, in regards to unwinding right the, yeah. the number of the the, de the dependency tree right that's a good one like understanding like yes if it's not just this report how many other reports mm -hmm. are there because that complicates what what your your, your process but mm -hmm. the thing the things i've done like if i'm just talking about a single model single report whatever and, and i could i suppose it 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 goes both ways, but mm -hmm. visually separate, right? Visually separate out the different components that I'm trying to understand within this existing model. And if there isn't one, which there typically isn't, I have to build a mind, uh, like a mind map. Yeah, right? and it's a good usually idea. I go into Excel yeah. because it's you know here. What are my DAX measures? Yep. What are you know what tables are they interacting with? What are the the things on the very front end? Yes. and then kind of work my way back, right? Yeah. Tables, relationships. How do mm -hmm. they? And then like I translate that into business speak. Right. So it's it's kind of hmm. from a from a tech perspective, what is what is this measure and this, you know, column and relationship in this table and how is it derived and what is the purpose of it in in kind of things I can understand and then articulate? Because ultimately <clears throat> out of that kind of mapping that you should have done in the first place, <laughs> right? Um the you're you're trying to build a di like for me a diagram like i always use lucidchart or visio yeah i like that um, because people are visual learners i am a hugely visual learner yep and um that that becomes part of my documentation in the future where i'm handing this off or if somebody needs to go back and look at this model yep. they can see some of the dependencies that aren't inherently you know going to be there without them spending an hour to go through really complex power query mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be like and, and that lets me define what the the, the the scope is or what the scope should be for the model and the reporting need and from there once i have a clear direction right where we are this gives me current state of where i'm at and a uh, scope of where i need to go and then you can go through your refactor steps like figure out like what are all the things that need to change do i need to you know remove a, a lot of bloat from the the model because i've repeated columns everywhere um, do I need to roll a couple of these tables together mm -hmm. and streamline some of my ETL? Uh, and and that becomes much more clear after you're you're able to, you know, set the foundation for what is actually happening and then the direction you need to go. And while that's all unwinding, yes. I guess those are the same recommendations I'd have in reverse order, right? Do your discovery. Um separate that from your actual development because you need to spend time with yes. understanding what, what the is scope the data is doing yeah if or you go build a bunch of stuff and it yeah. actually creates a, a better environment for you to build faster because you've already 
pre-thought out uh, all of these, you know, the majority of these things, and then you're building from a solid base. So even if the case is later on, somebody asks for a visual and you need to pull in some ancillary tables that just kind of hang off and you just pull them in to, to meet this specific requirement, that's okay, right? Because you can actually have your diagram, which is separate to that saying like, yeah, th these, these are out here just for this purpose. Yeah. Stuff like that. Another one that someone brought up, uh, Thomas was talking about like um, the the fact table is usually the more complicated piece of this. And I would argue, I would also argue 100% to that degree. I think, I feel like I spend a, a little bit of time, it's easy to understand what the dimensions are, how do I want to cut and slice and like what are the dimensional things that I want in the model. I think it's harder to understand the fact table. And I think when you're talking even multiple fact tables, what happens when you have different grains of data? What I mean by grains of data is how refined is that information. You may have some fact tables that have daily level data, but you may have other tables that have data aggregated already to you by weekly or monthly information. So how do you how do you join uh, two different fact tables of different grains together when you're trying to cut by a common dimension? So like if I'm trying to cut by day and I don't have a fact table that's down to the daily level information, that the math doesn't really work out the right way. I can't use a measure in, in the in a visual between those two tables because the the grain of the data is differently is is designed differently. And then in the fact table, I'm also looking at if I can't get the right number of dimensions linked to that fact table, I have to increase the grain of the fact table to accommodate extra dimensions. And that might require you to have some more like repeated rows of information or a column that is repeating any calculations for some reason. So then you got to think about okay, how do I unstit? How do I fix that to to resolve that granularity of the data so that's consistent across the the model? I think that's really where some of the data engineering and experience needs to come into play when you start talking about when well, you can observe that you can actually see like oh shoot, I've got a table over here that is at a dimension of like uh, a, a higher order dimension, and when I look at this other data table, it has repeating rows for that same bit of information but i want to i want a clean star model so how do i solve that how do, how do you resolve the different grains of data and i think that's where things get more challenging for me so that's another another one that i would point out there is you know identify the grains of data and then i i spend a lot of time in the fact table trying to you know design proper relationships for all the dimensions to get to those facts well that's the hardest part right and the, the problem, though, too, as we try to transform and restructure this, you do run into an issue where if you were doing everything in a sense in DAX or, uh, you know, like in a sense after it's loaded and you go to Power Query, there are things that you need to watch out for, like uh, the relationship it will require like trimming or uh, extra characters, lowercase and uppercase. In a sense, merges don't look the way when you do like just a lookup in Power and like in DAX. So you have to account for all these things. And I've had situations where I had everything set up, but it only worked in the DAX, like the DAX that I could do, where I was like, uh-oh, I can't, like in Power Query, it's returning something funky this way. So I think the, to me, all this goes back to, as you begin to think about how can you structure dimension tables? And honestly, for me, it's it's the the biggest issue or my biggest priority is the the bridges in the my structure dimension tables the fact table generally like if i don't want to say it's not an issue but generally it's getting those relationships and getting that logic and that's going to live in, in your dimensional tables 
but it's really making sure that if you are using a different system to recreate the wheel, yep. that you have to know the limitations and also their prere prerequisites because that can really bite you in the butt. So who, who out there is, is of my finance department individuals. I don't know if there's anyone listening from finance department, but working with finance departments is quite complicated because they have this whole wonderful thing called gap and, and gap, uh, you know, how you report financial records using gap is not as intuitive as it, as you would think. And there's a lot of complicated, um, you know, here's my revenue, here's my expenses. It has to be ordered a certain way. So doing, doing those kind of things can be very complicated and rolling up data appropriately gets to be difficult inside tables because you got to see it a certain way. So that's another one that I'm, I, you know, when we talk about grains of data, the gap analysis or whatever that gap is doing is kind of complicated as well to figure out how to make that work as an addition. Oh, Tom, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, you've been involved in all of this stuff. You, you are also working in the financial space, so you feel the pain that I have working on those reports as well. Joy. Oh, hierarchies, yes. Another uh, hierarchies is huge in finance. That's another one that makes things really difficult. How do you, because in a hierarchy, you want to aggregate up to certain levels in that hierarchy, but you still need the lowest level grain of data. And I love making measures that do this. So I, I can pick whatever hierarchy I want, but it will ag auto aggregate or roll up things. Yeah, cost allocations, those are another one. Yeah, those are things I think are indicators of complicated models as well. All right, so let's move on. How do you how do you manage and prevent this? Or or what do you what are you guys doing actively to combat this? Well, I was paying attention to time and I already gave how I uh, <laughs> combat that. <laughs> well, we're getting close here. Well, maybe we should go to final thoughts then cuz we're, we're almost at an hour. I, I gave my final thoughts. Okay. Seth says he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Seth says he's done with this conversation. I have, I have nothing else to give. T Tommy. Right. I mean, you, you did an hour with that little sleep. So that's, you gotta, you gotta hand it to the guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like I kind of said my piece too. I think the, the two biggest things is the, the prevent and, and then just, um, you know, like being able to notice when you're in, in a sense that too deep, because there's always a spot where you can go, hold on. If I just stop here before, in a sense, we publish this, if I just create another file and I'll take that extra time, I'm going to run into a lot less problems, but usually we're in the thick of it. Like it's working or I'm so close kind of thing, but yeah. be, being able to stop yourself halfway through and go, okay, you know, maybe I have to add a bunch more visuals. Also, if I didn't have tabular editor, I'd probably have a lot more complicated reports. Oh, true statement. My goodness. I love tabular editor for that reason. What a, not even a time saver. All right. That migrate. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had a thought <laughs> earlier about this and I did not mention it, but I'm going to mention it now. I can't stand working in modeling data inside desktop anymore. It is driving me absolutely batty. The fact that I can't create a measure in the, in the, in the model view. And there are, there are certain things, no matter what page you have to, for people, for new users of Power BI, you have to go to a certain page in Power BI Desktop in order to create certain things. And then certain features that you wanted to be available on different menu items are not there. So that like the the uh, tree, the menu tree of what columns are where in the model is different depending where you go in the application. Drives me absolutely nuts. I, can, I constantly am clicking around. And to me, Tabular Editor resolves all that. I turn on the model, I open it up, I jump right into tabular editor. Everything's there. I can edit everything in a consistent way and push my changes back in bulk back to the model. It's just, oh man, it, I'm with you, Tommy. I love tabular editor. 
I can't even tell you. Yeah. So, but, and I think those are my big things and just yeah. don't be afraid to open a new report and act like you're starting again. So totally agree with that one. So I guess something I picked up from you guys that I thought I'm going to do a little bit more of time. Uh, Seth, I really liked your idea of creating the, the, the mind map of the data, kind of what, what we're using here. And you could almost mock up potentially the dimensions and the fact tables immediately knowing what's going on there at, at, a, at that higher level. I think doing some of that is a very valuable exercise there. Um, I think another key takeaway I'm taking from you guys here that I think is really relevant here is, or at least I have found it works for me very well, is, is take a little bit more time to plan it. You know, give give yourself the space to get familiar and comfortable with the data so that way when you get into it, you're able to then modify it and, and tweak it and get it to a place where it makes sense. So I think that's another really good one. Awesome. Well, with that, I think we've burned through another perfectly good hour. Um, Seth's ready to go to take a nap, and uh, we'll catch you guys. We'll catch you guys next week. I guess. <laughs> like, I'm going to sleep. No. I'm going to go to sleep. Right? We're just uh, we're just going at it, going at another fun day. Awesome. So, um, our only ask was that, thank you everyone for was listening. The conversation in the chat window was amazing. Thank you all for participating and and throwing in your experience too. It makes it very fun for us, and it adds a lot to the conversation. So. Thank you so much for for contributing and sharing your thoughts and, and your feelings around all these things around Power BI. This is this is our water cooler conversation. This is our hangout and just discuss things about Power BI and 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 beat up these ideas and try and refine them and think um, think through ways that you know as how can we do this better? There's no one's perfect. We're gonna there's always something to learn here. So thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Uh, our only ask for those of you who have been uh, online or listening or watching this, please if you found this this episode valuable if you found some nuggets here that were interesting uh if you like seth's punchiness today uh go ahead and share it oh yep small large <laughs> yeah. there we go that's our, that's our sesame street reference there seth was zooming in on the camera Got for it. those of you on the podcast if you missed the beginning of the podcast go check out the beginning exactly. what that all meant <laughs> <laughs> exactly right so uh do us a favor share it uh subscribe hit the bell tommy where else can you find uh, the uh, the podcast so if you are listening to the podcast right now on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, we're available on any podcast platform. Uh, make sure to leave a rating. Also spread the word to it. It helps us out a ton. So uh, we're, we love doing this and we love talking with you guys. But yeah, share the word and you can join the conversation live every Tuesday and Thursday. If you're watching us live, make sure to subscribe. We got a bunch of episodes out there. And we'll see you at the Data Insight Summit. In and we'll September, see the user group, yeah, and the user group we have yet coming up next week. So some some events coming up that you may want to participate in. Everyone, thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>